Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. The Goonies rely on three things. Good men. Good women. It jumped out from the bushes and almost killed us. And good gadgets. So join the adventure with The Goonies. Rated PG. Starts Friday, June 7th at a theater near you. You heard that right, old millennials. Goonies needs good women. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your co-host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my handsome, wearing no Velociraptors allowed t-shirt, Tyler Wilson. Is this is this a hateful shirt? Yes, it's, it is. It's full of hate. It's anti-Velociraptor, which I mean... You're I- racist. You're a racist against velociraptors. I do. I don't species, think they should be allowed in public species, spaces. Is that genusist? I don't think they should be allowed in public spaces. They're dangerous. They are, and we are talking about velociraptors here. Yeah, velociraptors. Okay, so we're going to talk about yeah. the long-awaited. Long-awaited. Yeah, people have been asking me for months. When are you going to do Goonies? When are you going to do Goonies? Really? Yeah, people love the Goonies. It's one of um, old millennials' favorite childhood films. Oh, we'll see how this goes then. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we are going to dig deep on The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, Tyler, we've been watching some stuff. So let's do our segment, What You Been Watching. Okay, yeah. Well, we've watched... Uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about the two main things we watched, I guess. Yeah. We watched Eurovision... Or the Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. That could be the full title. I don't sounds, know. Sounds close. Yeah, that's right. This is a Netflix movie uh, starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, where they are... What country are they in? Are they sw- Swedish? Yeah. So they are just like these amateur singers. They get themselves into this... Eurovision is a real song contest in Europe. And by certain circumstances, they get themselves into this competition and they uh, they perform. And it is definitely a Will Ferrell comedy. So that will be taken a certain way for some people. I think if you don't like Will Ferrell in general, you might have a little hard time with this. I would say that it is better than his recent output. Sure. I think the last few of this type of movie from him have not been particularly good. This was pretty solid, I thought. I had a pretty good time with it. I did, too. I would have enjoyed it more if it was just a little bit tighter. It was two hours and five minutes. Yeah. It needed to be 90 minutes and not a second more. Yep. And that was an issue. And there's a, there's even a point where it, Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell are a, a, a duo. They're not romantically tied at the time, but... Um, the, anyway, there's they they have two conflicts in the movie. Like they have a big conflict, and then you, they 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 fix it, and then you're like, oh okay, well the movie's gonna be over. And then I'm like, nope, we got to do another forty minutes where they have the same conflict again, again, and another then, one, and then and then we do another, you know. But that being said, I did like oddly the, the I liked their music. <laughs> yeah, I liked their music. I liked Will Ferrell's dad, played by Pierce Brosnan. I like the uh, bar song that they are forced to play all the oh time. Oh my god, so good! Um, but I also liked their song they submitted. Then uh, yeah, they do a different. Well, anyway, it does. I guess that's technically spoilers, but it's better than it it needs to be. And I would say it, it, there's two reasons for that. Will Ferrell can be very funny given the right material, and he's not over the top too much. And then Rachel McAdams, uh, 
As proven in Game Night and in this, she's a comedic force of nature. Mm-hmm. She's very funny in this. She will, she will really lean into a character. I like it. And yeah, she was uh, I she was the kind of the the draw for me. I like her in general, but I I it, it's good to see her continue with because she's she really is quite good in Game Night. And then this is a different kind of comedic role, but she mm-hmm. kind of does this just as well. So it's nice to see. I she's like to see that she's lovable. got some talent there. Yeah. So I uh, yeah liked liked Eurovision well enough. It wasn't like amazing. Yeah. But it was, you know, for something that I thought when I saw the the little picture of it on Netflix and sure. the uh, the little trailer, I was like, I don't know. This seems like a, a Will Fire movie that was dumped on Netflix or whatever. But apparently that wasn't the case. They mm-hmm. made it for it. So it's not bad. It's solid. Oh, Will Ferrell co-wrote it. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. Didn't realize he sure that. sure did. Co-wrote it. With Andrew Steeles. I don't know who that is. That's Andrew my cousin. Steele. Shut up. <laughs> okay. So we watched that. And then, re- I guess related to that, we watched another musical called... Oh, musical. True. Yeah. Look at you tying we it together. We watched another musical called Hamilton. It's a little musical. A little Just thing you might have heard of. Disney Plus put out the uh, staged version of Hamilton from 2016 with the original cast. I... Well, I'm curious about this with you because I have been... Um, obsessed, I guess is the right word, with Hamilton. Accurate. For probably, I don't know, I wasn't like right on board with it, but whenever I first heard the cast album, maybe in 2016, maybe around the time when they actually filmed this, obsessed with it. I uh, love the music so much. Never got to see the show uh, on Broadway. Never saw a touring one. It was coming to our area uh, soonish, but now who knows what's going to happen. Um, but I've just been obsessed with it. Had the books, the supplemental stuff. Love the Love the music. Listen to the cast album uh, hundreds of times. Now, my question is, is that you and I, you and I don't, one thing we don't do together, really, we will listen to music together, but I would say we don't actively listen to music together. When we listen to music actively, like if we were like really into a music, something musical, we do that separately a little bit. Like you have things that you like to listen to when you're working or doing something else. And that's kind of like when you're in the zone. Same with me, but together you and I don't sit down and be like, let's listen to this album together. We don't do that. Yeah, the only times we sit together and listen to music is on road trips. Right, and I'm sure this is, I played this, but we've, you know, that's not the same as kind of digesting it. So I know that I had clearly listened to this music and was more familiar with it than you were when you watched it. So I was curious what your reaction was, kind of, because I don't know if you ever really, like, I, I'm not even sure if we've listened to the whole thing start to finish or you've heard the whole thing in order and therefore you could follow the story of it necessarily. So I was curious whether what that experience was for watching this. Like, was it well, was it kind of new to you or you, had you listened to it and kind of knew the story? Well, you're correct in that you have been fucking obsessed with this thing. Yes. So if I had only listened to 5% of what you had listened to, mm-hmm. that would be more than the average person. Probably. So I've listened to a lot of it. So, okay. you know, maybe not all full in order, but mm-hmm. definitely nothing was felt super new. Okay. Yeah. And the story is not really like mind blowing. Oh, wow. wow. No, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I wow. get it. There's uh, no, wow. that's not wow. what I mean. Wow. <laughs> it's not like I was like, what? Like it was he's, as a surprise. Murdered? Oh, yeah. What? No. Well, no. The opening song does spell out the entire yeah. show. So yeah. obviously and anybody who knows about 
no. Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, they got into a duel. Now, did I hear some <laughs> songs that maybe I wasn't as familiar with and that I grew a better appreciation of having that visual element with it? Because I'd seen some of the songs from the PBS special from a few years right. ago. Well, and I, I asked that question, too, because I also immediately got the Hamilton mixtape, which is like current recording recording artists doing new songs versions of it remixes and it's not necessarily an order and i've played that as much as i've played the other thing and so i i just was curious if it was something that was jumbled for you or not and kind of like watching it was different in that regard different experiences i mm-hmm. guess so um what did you think about the the version it's that we okay get to you see? can you can go ahead and just dive right into your excitement well no i mean okay so I don't know what to say other than, like, I personally feel like, and I felt this way before I got to watch it, because I just going off of the album and knowing what I, and the book that I read, and I just, I feel like Hamilton is the greatest piece of, of storytelling in the last few decades, at least. It is, it is just brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of storytelling. That's why I was like, what? When you were saying it wasn't that much of a story. You know because what I meant, though. I, yes, I do. I just think that it is a, a, just a genius piece of just storytelling. Um, never mind, you put aside the history, and obviously the history has been adjusted and changed for the narrative and all that other stuff, but just the way that it's told and the way that it uses kind of musical theater influence but also hip-hop influence, and I just I find it to be just immediately compelling, and it was something that when I first listened to it, because I, I remember... Listen, I'm not like a... We've had discussions on this podcast. Like, I'm not necessarily... I like a lot of musicals, but I'm not necessarily like a big musical guy. I've had a good dose of it. I've watched a lot. I've listened to a lot. Listened to a lot of albums and stuff like that. But it's not... I wouldn't call it something that I have like a deep affection for. I like it. But for whatever reason, this just spoke to me immediately. And it, and that's not a unique experience. I think this is why it's... It is what it is. People have this experience that I have. So... Um, but I'd never seen it visually other than the clips that they did on PBS and stuff like that. And I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I fell in love with it all over again. It was incredible to me. It was just incredible. What was your kind of reaction watching it? Well, as you know, yeah, um, I was a band geek in yes. high school. And the not a choir geek, so not a singer. Mm-hmm. But when um, I went to New York um, our sophomore year of high school and got to go on Broadway and go see Phantom of the Opera and then later go see The Lion King in California and mm-hmm. seeing these big Broadway shows. Yeah. There's something about being there and part of a big Broadway experience that's mm-hmm. moving. And I had a life goal, hashtag life goals that I was going to like be a part of like a symphony pit. For oh one yeah. Of these productions. Sure. So musically I love the whole experience in Hamilton is so awesome. I mean, I can't really find all the like eloquent words to say it, but musically it's beautiful and moving mm-hmm. and jarring and, and exciting. And what you miss when you're just listening to the album, mm-hmm. it fills in when you get to see it on stage. Yeah, I mean, a sure. lot of the songs I had maybe heard you singing or sung with you even. Yeah. But then when you see it, there's something that just like connects with your soul when you're able to get the full experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I know like the the neuroscience behind that of just like the visual and the auditory mm-hmm. and that connection. Um, but so many of the songs stood out to me, and I fell in love with a lot more of the minor characters that mm. maybe like wouldn't even, you know, you're like, yeah, that's a good song, but you don't um, know them as well. well yeah. If you're not familiar with the show, or you're not as as tuned in, I guess, as me. You know, you know Lin Manuel Miranda. You know what he looks like. You know what he talks like. He's been in stuff, right? Yeah. But like. I know that you've seen Leslie Odom in movies and stuff like that, but I don't know if you would have necessarily like connected him totally because you haven't had that connection as with the show. Yeah, and I mean, I I personally believe that Leslie Odom gives like one of the great performances of all time in the show, and to see it finally visual, I've seen you know clips and things like that, but to see him do it from start to finish, yeah, is just incredible. It is yeah. just a brilliant. I mean, it's just a it's a wonderful character the way that it's as written, but the way that he does it is. Um, just something special. And so it was great for, to see that. But yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, there's a couple of different reasons. I was trying to articulate this cause I had to write something about the show and there's a few things going on for me. One is like the music. I like a lot of variety when it comes to music. Yeah. Um, but I would never say I've ever had like a genre that I love. And now I like listening to like Hamilton made me realize like, okay, well, I grew up on like nineties hip hop. Like I listened to that way more than uh I probably should have. <laughs> um in fact, like I I just I loved Buster Rhymes so much to the point where I loved him before I even was getting albums, but my parents got me like uh for Christmas I got like the the Puff Daddy album, like the big one that was a big hit or whatever, and there was this great song with B. I. G. and Buster Rhymes and and Puff Daddy then Diddy, whatever he's called now. But they, my parents, because I was young, they got yeah. me the clean version of the album, and I never first like they never bought me another album again. I made sure I secured my own uh, my own albums yeah, from then thanks on. Thanks to Columbia, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We all got Shh. we all got plenty of records. They might try then. to. They might hear this. They're not in business. It's fine. They might come after you. Um, but yeah, the Buster. So there's a Buster Rhymes verse on one of those songs. I can't. I, I'm spacing on the name of it. It was completely cut out of the, my version. So because it was so filled with uh, curse words that you couldn't uh, you couldn't hear it. So I, I was always had the album. And I was just like, "Where's Buster Rhymes?" I didn't ever understand it. Um, but Lin Manuel Miranda. The, I mean, in, in addition to kind of filling the sh- the show with musical references to like theater, there's a lot of things. That either feel like oh, like they are direct references, or they they sound and feel like that kind of music. And then I don't know whatever it is, the combination of like those big ballads and uh, kind of those emotional songs mixed in with hip hop. Apparently, this is just my favorite genre of music. It is just <laughs> Hamilton. So that what's, was one thing. What's your favorite genre of music? Hamilton. Hamilton. Um, so that's there's that. And then I just to me, I find the story to be so. Uh, compelling, particularly uh, Aaron Burr, that arc. I, I just find that storyline to be a, a universal truth, and not necessarily about like who Aaron Burr was as a real life human or who Alexander Hamilton was as a real life human, but the way that that character has to kind of grow or not grow is, I think, uh, fascinating. And it's something that I haven't seen in storytelling, at least told as well as this. And, and from us, he's, I mean, he is, a, he is a co-lead, I guess, but never the focus, right? He never gets to have that focused, uh, and, and the narrative is never about him, even though he's telling the story, right? Um, I just, I really 
love that. I love that it is I, – I just – I find it kind of enriching. I think it, it tells us in a lot of ways, not just kind of my personal experience with it, but in the way that it remixes history and changes things and, and tells a certain story. I think we do learn more about ourselves and as a culture and as uh, human beings and particularly Americans from the way we tell stories. I think sometimes storytelling can be more important than history in terms of learning the lessons that we need to learn. And I feel like this show does that in a way that not a lot of things can. And so to see that kind of validated visually for me was um, a joy. But then I would also just say, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to listen to the cast recording. It is, I mean, you're only getting half of it. I mean, really, not even half, because there's there's elaborate staging going on. Uh, the dancing, the, the ensemble is incredible. Like, the ensemble never gets credit for anything, right? But they are, like, the people that are kind of never the, the leads. They sing the background vocals. They're moving things around. They're doing the movement on the stage. They're literally moving the bullet at one point. Um, it's just, like, unlike anything, you know, it's just... And I've seen a lot of theater. Not I didn't get to see The Lion King. I've never been to Broadway, but I've seen shows, and so... There's you're an appreciation, a loser and I'm awesome. You're pretty cool in that regard, but um, but yeah, I mean, I just uh, yeah, it's amazing. And what I would say also, and the reason why it'll be my favorite movie of the year, because I do think it's actually a movie. They didn't just set some cameras up and film it. They didn't. They they filmed it over two nights, then they came back and they re they filmed with no audience on close ups. And it's Thomas Kale who I guess directed the show on Broadway as well with the cast putting the movie together and directing it so the way that he cuts the whole i mean you could nitpick a couple shots where you maybe you want to see something different but really this is the if you're going to have anybody put together if you've got several cameras and multiple performances and close-ups who's the better person to pick all the right shots and all the right moments to be focused in a certain way than this guy who's who has breathed it you know what i mean and i in that regard it's a brilliant piece of actual filmmaking the sound mix is amazing the cinematography is really well done. And then, yeah, I would say the editing and the direction of this particular piece, I think, is Oscar-worthy. Now, apparently it's not eligible for an Oscar, and I get some of that makes sense. I mean, they wrote it for the stage, the performers performed it for the stage, but I do feel like, as a film, it's quite quite incredible, and definitely more than just, like, a recording of a show. It is it is a truly a gift. It was supposed to come out in theaters a 15 months from now, like mm-hmm. in the future. And because of all the horrible things going on in the, on the world, we've gotten it now and it's a lifesaver. It really is. It's a, it's an amazing. We watched it twice in 2 days. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. I don't know. I'm talking a lot cuz I you know I love it, but I I was always very curious. I was worried, obviously. Anytime Hello, I love it's something. It's so funny when you get worried about what I'm going to think about something. I just I don't know if I, I I struggle with like wrestling like what if she doesn't like it? <laughs> and you're like, "What well, I'm going to have to divorce her." No, but it's just like this like what if like what if, right? And I don't generally like I don't care. There's people that don't like Hamilton or they think it's overrated or they think that history is problematic or whatever. Like, none of that criticism really bothers me because I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Have that. I love it. But it's a little different when it's you because I'm just like, Mm. what's wrong? Like, why? What's what's wrong? The question is twofold. It's like, what's wrong with you or and or what's wrong with me? And then there's a there's a disconnect there. Luckily, I loved it. Yeah, that's a good reason. I don't know if you will ever 
love it as much as I do, but... Oh, are we comparing love now? No, we're not comparing love. I think that that's... It's just like... Here's the real question. No. Do I have the capacity to be as obsessed about a piece of art as you? I don't know. That's what my point is. I don't... I wasn't making a statement about my love of it. I'm making a statement of, like, is... Like, I, me fawning over it is not necessarily, like, helpful to anybody else. Because it's just, like, how I feel about it, right? Sure. It's very personal. Sure. So I don't know... My recommendation means nothing, essentially, <laughs> in terms of just it being what it is. It's just, it's beyond the scope of, uh, I do think it's a brilliant piece of work. I'll defend it till the end of the earth in terms of storytelling, but it's like Jurassic Park for me. It's like, I think Jurassic Park is an incredibly well-made movie, but like, it's also to me like the best movie. So, I mean, that can kind of run up against sure. uh, other people's kind of objective opinions, so... You know what I'm saying? Yep. And all the reason why we won't ever do a tropi- why we won't ever do a Jurassic Park episode of this show. Future episode, Jurassic Park. We did the episode of Lost World. Was that our second episode yeah, of this show? A long time ago. We'll probably do Jurassic Park three. <laughs> probably. Um, so Hamilton. I liked it. It was good. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's on Disney Plus. I'll probably watch it. What's your if you were a betting person, I am a betting person. Great I make bets all the time. When what what it, maybe give it? But maybe do you want to do prices right style or do you want it's to have a leeway? Right, you can't go over. How many days do you think I'll make it until I watch it again? Well, I'm in full control of that because you write all it down. I have to do mm-hmm. is turn it off. Oh yeah, if you turn it on, I will watch it from start to finish. Yeah, but which is what happened. Oh, so maybe ago. this isn't fair. Yeah, you could you could manipulate because I could say one day and then tomorrow well, I could just go play. And as a rebel, if you told me what day it was, I'd be like, I would purposely fight off, like, I'll go this many days or this many days, and I'll just do that to spite you. But see, it goes the other way where you could just turn it on and I'll just watch it. So, What I would like to thank Hamilton for, mm-hmm. the production, Lin-Manuel, is that I believe that in the last three days, mm-hmm. I've personally learned more about oh, yeah. American history, yeah. the Revolutionary War, the founders of our nation. Because you go look it up. Because you're like, yeah. What was fucking Hamilton's life about? Who, who is and Thomas Jefferson? There's obviously really? there's obviously changes, right? Yeah. But I think that's the that's the fun of it. You can go back and read all this and have like some debate about the whole duel itself is interesting mm-hmm. because the the show presents it a one way, mm-hmm. but like the way as with anything in that time period, it's like well, we don't really know exactly. We have yeah. accounts, and there are some people that said that he fired straight on, and there are some people that said that he didn't, and it's just like okay, well, which, we don't know that then. Which is kind of like one of the main points of the Hamilton production is that mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to tell your story and how mm-hmm. they're going to tell it, which is kind of a way of saying like. I know. Th- I know this is not a, a, an episode on Hamilton. Well, it kind of is, but I just, to me, watching watching it did same with you. I mean, I I love Leslie Odom's performance in the first place, but it, it's 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 next level. Um, Philippi Philip it's Philippa Sue. What's her name? Sure. She is. I've always loved her songs in it, but my God, she's so good as Eliza Hamilton in her. I don't want to... The ending is amazing. Like, yeah. the way that the movie punctuates and, and shifts focus is incredible. And I just... The way that there's there's something that's in the ending that's not on the cast um, recording, and that's something. Uh, Satisfied is just probably the... I mean, in terms of the cinematic aspect of it, is Angelica's song in the first act is probably the great... The best cinematic aspect of the show. It's an mm-hmm. incredible piece. 
uh, David Diggs. Oh my God. I mean, just to watch, like, it's already, it's already apparent on the cast album how good he is at switching gears when he does Lafayette and then Jefferson, but to watch it visually is his, just insane. His physical mannerisms and what's great about, I think you and I talked about this, uh, the movie of it is that you get these close-ups that you don't get when you go to the right. It, that's why it's different, and I, and I think it would be hugely valuable to go see Hamilton on stage still because it's a different yes. experience, right? And then um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would maybe say that the second act is doesn't have as many like memorable songs or whatever, and like it's not as. I mean, the last half hour of the first act is as rousing as it gets, right? It's just just high energy and everything. And I've always really loved the second act. Um, maybe not necessarily because of the song, but just how the story goes. And watching it, I really, um, I even had a deeper appreciation for what it's doing because it really is just upending everything else. Like it is just, it's a complete shift and it is trying to do a lots of other things on top of all the things it was already doing. And everything is set up and it pays off in a way that, uh, it, it, you know, theoretically, storytellers try to do this all the time, especially in theater. Like, the things that happen in Act 1, they kind of shift gear, they might shift into something else in Act 2, and movies try to do this all the time, and it, it's so, it's so easy to say that you could do that, but it doesn't usually click together the way that it clicks together here, yeah. so. God, it's good. It's good. So good. So good. I could talk about each song in detail. Let's go. So. <laughs> yeah. Our kids our kids watched a little bit of it the second time. It's too long for them when our kids are young, but our kids know a lot of the songs already because yes, they, they play cuz our even our 3-year-old. He goes he goes my shot all the time, which yep. is great cuz I always play the songs in the car and stuff and so, yeah. And Elliot our kindergartner seemed to be first grader has always like he will even say like I that my shot I like that my shot song. He'll even just tell you. Yep. Well, probably cuz it's about shooting. <laughs> Awkward, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they'll get you to listen to even more of it. So yeah, okay, that's Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Ready to talk about Goonies? Yes, I am. Okay, Goonies. I just need to take a quick break. Oh, he did. Let's pause for a second. Yeah. Okay, so the Goonies. So you, um, you actually had me. Uh, you were kind of busy when we started the movie because we let our kids watch this, which is something we'll talk about. So I actually wrote I. Uh, I transcribed what you said, what you remember, because we do that, what do you remember segment on our show. Are you familiar with that? Yep. Great. Um, So we wrote about, you know, we do a little thing where we write about it, and this is what you said. I didn't read, I didn't write it all down, because I was typing on my phone. Okay. But this is what Andy said. Some kid homes are going to be sold to some bad guys. If they find enough money and treasure, unless they find enough money and treasure. Forgot the unless when I typed it. Yep. There's a cave and a couple goons and a scary lady. Hey, you guys. And it's filmed in Astoria, Oregon. Yeah, that pretty much sums that shit up, baby. Okay, so what I wrote was, we all know the Goonies, right? We've all seen it a bunch. But is it any good without the nostalgia factor? Ooh. Ooh. I want to say my last experience with this movie wasn't so great. True. Talk about that in a little bit. Like, there's a lot of yelling and talking over each other. But the Goonies, classic, right? Oregon Coast. Did you seriously write that? Yeah. There's a lot of talking over each other? Yeah. Okay. That's I did. funny. That's what you remember about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oregon Coast, we've seen the outside of the house. The owners should monetize that opportunity better. Brolin, Aston, Corey Feldman, a Richard Donner joint. I was watching a lot of, uh, still watching Spike Lee movies, so writing joints on stuff. Okay. That's what I wrote. Um, the Goonies. What was your first experience watching 
Well, let's do high stats. Let's okay. do high stats. High oh, stats. shit. That's a thing we do. Oh, Jesus. He didn't. Oh, my God. That's a <laughs> thing we do. I forgot. All this time talking about Hamilton, and we didn't do the actual I was listening. I was actually listening to you. Usually, I don't listen to you. Oh, like, and I I'm just not going to listen to you. I just go on the computers, and I just look at things. What Jackie Chan movie are you talking about? Okay. Let blah, me go blah, look blah. up and this then thing. I go, and then I go, fascinating. Fascinating. Oh. So, High Stats, The High Goonies, stats. came out June 7th, 1985. Okay. We were very young. Technically, I was, yeah, we were like two, three years old. Did not see it in the theater then. Obviously not. I wasn't even adopted yet. Oh, man. I was living in Texas. There you go. Living in Texas. Okay. Yeah. It is rated PG. It sure is. It is not at the perfect time. Clocks in an hour and 54 minutes. Yeah, and you feel that extra 20 minutes. I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm a strong believer in getting these movies down. You know that about me. And here you are. You watched Hamilton at two hours and 40, 40 minutes. That's different. Has an intermission. It has an intermission. One minute intermission. It's also, that's just different. Yep. Um, it's estimated that the budget to film this movie was a whopping $9 million, or oh, $19 wow. million. Dollars. Yeah. Opening weekend grossed $9 million, grossed in the U.S. $62 million. Okay. Modest hit, then. Did pretty well, really. Yeah. All things considered. Had the Steven Spielberg name behind it. That yeah. certainly helps, uh, especially in the 80s, right? E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and yes. Jaws and all that, you know, all that stuff is already there. So yeah. having the Spielberg name certainly helps this production. So story by Steven Spielberg. Screenplay by Chris Columbus. Former, we've done several. Well, I don't know. So, if we've done se- yeah, we've done because we've done. He's a director of uh, Harry Potter, the first movie and the second movie, both previous episodes. He is the director of Home Alone, correct. previous episode, and the director of. Did we do a Home Alone two episode or no? I don't remember. <laughs> Old millennials don't remember. Should be the name of this either. Podcast. We did, and I. It seems like we probably did, but I don't remember. I, if we haven't, then we'll definitely do it this year. Com. The thing about Home Alone is that I tend to watch it every year, so it's hard to remember if we actually recorded talking about it. Well, that's the one where they go to New York. Yep. I feel like we did talk about we it. Probably but again, did. You do force me to watch it every year, so it's hard to <laughs> I don't say. force you. The kids watch. The kids like it. You force me to watch so much stuff. Are you kidding me? I don't force you to do anything. Let's see. It's your own benefit. Home Alone. Uh, well, Dennis the Menace. Another, that's oh, a John Hughes. We could do a lot of these same guys. Home Alone 2. We did it on episode 63. So it was not even very long ago that we did this episode, and I forgot. <laughs> Is this year? It, well, it was 2019, before sure. the apocalypse began. Sure, 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 sure. Um, anyway. Chris Columbus. Yes. So, Goonies, this is like a pre-Home Alone Chris Columbus adventure. It is. Richard Donner is the director. Richard Donner, of course, most known, especially at the time, and the movie lets you know, directed Superman. Yeah. uh, Because he even has a musical cue in the movie uh, of the Superman, uh, because one of the characters wears a Superman shirt. Yep. So, of course, that's in there. And, uh, yeah. So, do you have any memories of when you first saw this movie? I do not. Because he, I am an old millennial that doesn't remember shit. But you do... Okay, so you do believe that you saw this before the age of, let's say, 12. I had to have seen it because I love it. Okay, because this is your theory, right? Yeah. Is that if you have seen The if Goonies... If you've seen this before the age of 14... Okay. You're in it to win it. Right. You love this movie. You got that nostalgia. You're like, this is my jam. This was my life. It it fulfilled your 80s and 90s childhood fantasies of going on an adventure and finding okay. treasure. It was perfect. Right. For a kid in that age. I think that's a good theory. But what happens if you 
don't see it before the age of 14. What do you think the reaction is at that well, point? Well, I think it's like how I love The Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen and The Labyrinth Fred. and dropped Dead Fred and then you <laughs> see it as an adult, you're like, that's a movie from the <laughs> 80s. I don't really enjoy it or get it. But, you know, like I could see that if you were a kid, you're into that. Right. So, no, I don't think it it doesn't hold. What's funny, mm-hmm. speaking of kids versus a, like seeing it as an adult. I'm just going to jump into another segment. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. It's called What Would Roger Say? Oh, okay, great. What would Roger say? say? How many stars do you think Roger Ebert, critically acclaimed critic... <laughs> Maybe the most well-known critic yeah. outside of Pauline Kael. Yeah. Outside of who? All right, that's... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> um... I'm going to go with a classic fence-sitting score of a two and a half. False. Oh. Gave it three stars. Okay, that was close, but still. And he goes on, on, on about um, Spielberg. He really gives a lot of credit to Spielberg for this. Here's the thing about Spielberg uh, in general. If he's a producer on the movie, and if there's any kind of like discussion of behind the scenes, almost always, there's always someone's like, well, he secretly directed the movie. Poltergeist is this way. Uh, the Goonies. But like... I don't know if that necessarily always holds water because it's not like Richard Donner was like an un couldn't handle mm-hmm. the Goonies in mm-hmm. 1985. Like that just doesn't that doesn't hold water to me. Like Agreed. so, that, there's always a lot of stories of Spielberg directing a lot of things that he probably didn't really. But okay. Yep. So can I read a little bit yeah. of what he wrote? Yep. He wrote, uh, "It's a fantastical story, true, sure, yeah, of buried pirate treasure." Told with a slice-of-life approach that lets these kids use words Bogart didn't know in Casablanca. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Sometimes the stuff he writes... I don't know. Anyway. There used to be children's movies and adult movies. Now Spielberg has found an in-between niche for young teenagers who have fairly sophisticated tastes in horror. He supervises the formula and oversees the production, assigning the direction to stylish action veterans. This time, it's Richard Donner of Superman and Lady Hawk. Mm-hmm. Goonies, like Gremlins... Gremlins is another movie that he produced. ...walks a thin line between the cheerful and the gruesome, and the very scenes the adults might object to are the ones the kids will like the best. Spielberg is congratulating them on their ability to take the heavy-duty stuff. So, that's... I, that's, I think that is one of the reasons why when you're young and you watch it and like it and you go back and revisit it and you kind of notice that some of it's a little bit like, oh, <laughs> um, you kind of like that you were, you feel like you were, you were in on something when you yeah. were younger. And maybe you, even at your age, you thought like, oh, this is a little bit, this is not a kid's movie. Yes. They're saying things that are kind of inappropriate. They're saying shit. They're saying shit a lot. They're messing around with a statue penis. I mean, there's uh, a dead body in a freezer. There's a there's a dead there's a what appears to be a dead body in the opening frame of this movie. It turns out to be a fake hanging, but it is in the first shot, like the first oh, scene yeah, of the yeah, movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh shit, kids are and, watching this. And with so us. yeah, we wa- we turned it on for all four of our kids, which age between ages three and nine. And like I forgot that, that, that I was like, oh, there's there's a guy hanging in a prison cell. I was like, yeah. oh, they're like, what's going? Like our kids don't know that image, mm-hmm. so they're just like, what? And I was like, oh, and I was like, and I remember, I was like, oh no no no, he's he's just pretending to be unconscious. <laughs> so we've been walking this line with our kids of like, especially our kindergartner, mm-hmm. who who likes to joke about death and dying, but and- is also 
horribly afraid of it. When you ask him like what he's most afraid of, the girls would be like spiders, and he's like of dying. He's not afraid of anything. Well, except for dying. So you're like, oh shit, that got dark real quick. So then this scene opens, and I'm like, oh god, now oh shit. And then then there's just like there's there's dead bodies all over the place in this movie. Well, there's a real person dead body with a bullet hole in the head, and it's like an FBI agent and poor God, (laughs) poor chunk. And it is kind of comical. There's this dead body that keeps falling on him because he's trapped in the freezer yeah. with it. And, it. and in the car, right? So, I mean, it is Ugh. very comical that this is going on. But yeah, you're uh, getting away with something that I think... Yeah. So, I honestly, and again, I think our kids, despite our nine-year-old being generally horrified by, one, the dead bodies, two, the skeletons of dead bodies, because yeah. she understands, like, those were dead... Those people are dead, too. Those were people. She was freaked dead. out the whole time. She had a good attitude about it. She's like, this movie's freaky. Like, yeah. But I think that as they get when they get older, they will probably also develop, like, oh, yeah, the Goonies, that's a cool movie. Like they'll yeah. remember it that way, right? So I could I I get that uh, critic like I get that assessment of the movie. Yeah, he finishes it up mm-hmm. by saying, "During Goonies, I was often exhilarated by what was happening. Afterward, I was less enthusiastic." <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So here's where your theory gets complicated. Okay. Because I was definitely someone who saw this before I was 14, 12. I'm pretty sure I saw it when I was pretty young. Yeah. And had a memory of watching it and enjoying it and thinking it was great and just being part of... Because, you know, when your friends talk and your family talk, they're like, Goonies, oh yeah, the Goonies is awesome, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know, I watched it probably in high school and then again with you and then again another time prior to this show... And I was just really struggling with the Goonies. You were. You've made several comments over several years. I'm just like, I don't know, man. This movie. You were like, I I can't wait to do an episode on Goonies because I have a hot take on it. I don't like it. I I have a. It's not a. It's less a hot take. It's more. It's a complicated take because I mm-hmm. I recognize the things that people love about it, and I love all aspects of it. But I'm also like. In those previous screenings, it's just it's annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, I think like <laughs> like as an adult sitting here right now, my memories of um, the scenes are better. Yeah. Than sitting through and watching the scenes, which was kind of fucking obnoxious and painful. It it's just a lot, especially in the beginning when uh, Chunk is oh, with the group. Oh. And I like some of his performance and we'll I get to I don't some of like, it. I don't like any of it. But it's very noisy. There's just a lot of yelling going on. They're all talking on top of each other. It's just, as someone who has four children, especially now, but this, I had this feeling before we, before we had the kids It should have been a clue. We probably should have had. Maybe shouldn't have had as many. Uh, but yeah. I was just like, this movie's so noisy. I don't even know what they're talking about. Like, even when we're trying to learn about the treasure map and stuff like that, mm-hmm. there's people talking on top of each other. And yes, that is how kids talk mm-hmm. it is very accurate like that is in terms of realism that is that is exactly how kids are mm-hmm. they're going to talk over each other they're going to make dumb comments dumb jokes that is a per- completely accurate assessment of who kids are but is it entertaining to watch not particularly well it's funny you say that because reading ebert's review uh-huh. this is his last sentence or two the screenplay has the kids talking all at once, all the time. Mm-hmm. And there were times, especially in the first reel, when I couldn't understand much of what they were saying. Yeah. The movie needs to be played loud and with extra treble, as in, like, a hot, the higher pitch so you can hear them. It's a to musical be honest, themed episode, baby. To be yeah. very honest, I think I caught more watching it this time with the uh, subtitles on. Cause yeah. We watch them because our kids are so fucking noisy. Well, um, <laughs> there's even one line that I even read people often mistake. It's one where, like, uh, 
uh, what's his name? Hey, you guys. What's his name? Sloth. Sloth comes out, and, and Chunk says something about... One of them says, like, you smell like uh, f- dead fish, but really what he says is fizz ed. And I it, I always thought it was, like, dead fish when I watched the movie, but seeing the subtitles and it says fizz ed, it's just like you couldn't hear that with all the kid noise going on. Well, and But it's a funnier joke. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> to think of Sloth smelling like a dirty gymnasium. Yeah. <laughs> Versus a debt, you know, I don't know. It's funny. Yeah, it well, and maybe there's you got to also think that maybe you have encountered the the film with other subtitles on TV. You know, sometimes subtitles are way off and things like that too. So who knows what's going on there? But yeah, no, it's funny your joke that way. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like even this time, I was honing in on the beginning part because it's usually the part I struggle with the most. Um, and it, it does help when Sloth gets separated because he's chattering all the time. Mouth is played by Corey Feldman. The character of Mouth doesn't talk half as much as Sloth. Like, it is, or it is, like, at least a lower register. Chunk, you mean? Chunk. I keep saying Chunk, Sloth, sorry. Like, they team up. Um, So, when he gets separated, it's a little better. It's it's a lot better. There's just less going on, and there's not as much, like, and, you know, it's all fat jokes, and they're just kind of treating him poorly. I don't like that. You know, whatever. It's not great. But it gets better once he's separated. And I actually do appreciate... Uh, his chunks performance when he, especially when he's like with the bad guys, including our our best bud Joey Pants back again Joe on another Pants. episode. Joe Panoliano, he they are like asking him for the whereabouts of you know what they're doing, everything you've ever done or whatever, and so he's just being honest and he's just listing off all the things he's done wrong, and he gets to that story of oh my god, so good fake vomit at the movie theater. And then, like, throwing it over the balcony, and then... Making the noise. And then making uh, everybody else start having to throw up in the theater. And then, like, the opera singing villain, who you should look up his name, he's in all sorts of stuff. But uh, he he's like, I'm starting to like this kid. Like, I actually yeah. really like that little stretch. Um, you, you know, so I... And I, I like his... It's a weird... I mean, the whole sloth chunk thing is a little weird. <laughs> the whole... Both those characters are so problematic today. <laughs> But what was interesting, and I know you, you'll want to talk about it, is uh-huh. we watched today the uh, like a reunion of the Goonies. Josh Gad has been doing uh, these reunited apart uh, Zoom things. He does, he's done Ghostbusters. He's done the Goonies. It's been a few other ones. So he got the whole cast together that's still alive. The uh, character, the actor who played Sloth is passed. So is the villain, the lady. But in addition to that, he also got old Richard Donner, 90 oh years old on the Zoom call, who they made fun of it because he was just like... it took him 20 minutes to get his fucking Zoom It's working. actually pretty great because in the corner of the for five minutes, he's just like fiddling. Yeah, <laughs> he can't figure this shit out. It's and then they, so funny. They even bring in Cindy Lauper, which we can talk about because she does a song for the movie. And then even Steven Spielberg sat in on this thing. And then the whole cast, Josh Brolin and Sean Astin. So it's actually really, really great. Uh, if you've seen, even if you don't even love the Goonies, it's just a fun thing to watch. But you were saying something about it specifically. Well, specifically how I feel uncomfortable with both the Chunk and Sloth character. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's making fun of special people and it's making fun of fat people and it feels wrong. Like in my moral code, it feels wrong. But then to watch all these guys today just lovingly talk about both of those characters, I yeah. felt like, okay, it's not like it was coming from a place of... And Sloth is a very lovable character. He is and he's very a, he's, a, he's everybody's favorite part of the movie. <laughs> but doesn't even just saying like, hey, you guys... Kind like, of. Doesn't it feel like you're, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing? I mean, yeah, a little <laughs> bit of the culture has changed around that, but he's not... I mean, he's meant to be... 
he's deformed and they've treated him poorly, but I don't know if his, his... He can't speak. He's got... I think it might be because of the way they've treated him, though. True, but it doesn't um, matter why he's no. That I way. know that. I but I don't. I don't think that it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's issues with it. Don't get me wrong, but I think your greater point about because I again I was struggling watching it at least in the beginning, and I I do enjoy a lot of aspects of it. I'll tell you what, watching those guys talk about it was and redoing and you know kind of reciting lines and and kind of having a good time with it. I thought was. It, it it makes the movie more endearing and oh it, it, totally it, you feel the warmth you feel their love and you can feel why they have feel so special about it and then I think that feeds into how other people feel so special about it so yeah. it's a good way of five years later like, yeah that's pretty impressive and it and there's a lot of good I mean I I'm not even I'm not trying to say I there, even even when I've had issues with it there are elements of it that are great and and part of it is just it's the, the whole concept of basically doing like an Indiana Jones film for with kids in it, and that's what happened with uh, the actor who played Data in the movie. He is in an Indiana Jones movie. He's playing Short Round, and so that was a little bit of that. Like a kid gets to tag along on this like amazing adventure with uh, yeah. uh, getting treasure, and here's a, a full scale version where it's all kids doing it, right? Yes. And so there's something really fun about that. There's something really fun about Data just having like these weird contraptions and inventions Fucking gadgets and galore. it's so and yes. and they're and they're bad in a way that makes sense for a, i mean they're probably too elaborate for a, a lot of kids to make maybe not but like they kind of don't work half the time yeah. and it, it's just it's it, it's very cartoonish but it, in a fun way that feels like oh yeah even the way that they've set the house up with the contraptions that open the door for i mean there's really no reason just walk down there two minutes no, or no. have a little the, latch. The guy could just, could just put his arm over the fence to unlatch it. But right. no, we'll do a whole contraption, which is very kid-like. I think that um, the the duo of Sean Astin and Josh Brolin, there's a reason these guys have hung around in Hollywood. They're just likable people. Yeah. Sean Astin is a likable... I mean, his career has been filled with playing really likable dudes. But, yes. Uh, and then Josh Brolin has... Maybe not. He just played the guy who destroyed the universe a few different times. But uh, he's got. A, I mean, it's just it's Josh Brolin, right? He, he's got it was, swagger. It was there. It was there in the movie, yeah. and it's it's obviously is only grown, right? Um, so there's all these elements. I think Corey Corey Feldman has a certain energy, and when he's doing the right thing, that works, right? And it yeah. works well enough. Um, and I think the villains work. I think that lady is kind of a scary villain mm-hmm. for a movie like this. I. I have a little trouble. Like once they get into the clave, it's a little bit better for me. Like and they yes. get underground. There's puzzles, and we're just trying to get through. I feel like it, it, in our nostalgic memory, we mm-hmm. only remember everything in the cave. Which is funny because so we live in the in the Northwest, and so we have been to Astoria. We know these locations. You can go see the outside of the house. They've now it's harder to now. Um, the owner, I don't know. Seems like like capitalize on that shit, buddy. Like, yeah. make some money, you know what I mean? Um, but, you you know, we've been there. We've seen... I don't think we've done it in a while since we've had kids even, but... And it's harder. And there's a museum there, and they filmed... I mean, we've been to the beaches enough to know, like, what's not really a story a little bit, and that there's a fun element to that. And I think, look, it's a great location to have a movie set in, right? And I, I like that, and... I, so that's that's always fun to watch the beginning part, but I don't know. The movie just gets better when you're in, on the set underground, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Um... I did tune in a little bit more into like the the class 
uh, conflict in the movie, you know? I never really, like, hooked onto that before, but just the fact that they are the Goonies, they are called this because they, excuse me, live in, like, the Goondocks or whatever they call it, and just the fact that everybody seems to be struggling, mm-hmm. you know, the, all the families are facing foreclosure. Here's, here's a fun tale. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, a couple things. The who who was the guy talking about it? Was he the writer or the director? Which what are you talking uh, about? On the show we watched today, who was talking about Ohio and the mines? And Chris stuff. Columbus was so the writer. So Chris Columbus, who was also on the Zoom thing. If you like Goonies, you should just go watch. Definitely it. watch it's it. Fun. Yeah. But he was talking about when he was writing it. He kind of originally had said it in Iowa. Oh, Ohio, I think I might have said Ohio and yeah. where he grew up, in which it was similar, like just poor people, not a lot of thriving industry going on in yeah. the mines. And so they would go into the mines and, and treasure hunt and stuff. But he was kind of mirroring that. But what I was going to say is fun story about the Oregon coast is mm-hmm. there's shit for jobs out there. Well, it, and that was what I was going to talk because it, so the, the conflict is like, these guys are going to mow it over and became a resort. And yes, there is that on the Oregon coast, but there's also not that. Like mm-hmm. if you go and visit I and mean, it's gorgeous, but not a lot of the towns and stuff like that are not, um, touristy in nature there are tourist shops and there are tourist sections but it is not that way it doesn't have that vibe there's a lot of our a lot i think a lot of it is people who you know take their rvs and stuff out there so a lot of that industry is driven by that and maybe not so much like resorts and things like that but because of and and partly that's because of like the way i mean it rains a lot and it's kind of cold for a lot of the part of the year it's gorgeous but like it's not like sunny california go stay on the beach yeah and, and you drive through a lot of the towns on the coast on the oregon coast and you're like god these are like run down old it doesn't a lot of them don't seem to be thriving but it, i what i like about it is that it does feel like even though that particular that particular stretch of us story astoria didn't get changed right that's right. what it still looks like but i mean it's believable like just because that is how that culture is a little bit there like it they're just houses. They're small communities. There's mm-hmm. a busy part where a bunch of people show up for a couple months and then they're all gone and it's rainy and shitty. And it's just like a lot of that feels very true. And at least I think that they committed to that vibe. There are, you know, the boyfriend character who's a little bit over the top and, you know, they talk to him through the well. He gets sprayed with a toilet. Some of that stuff. He's I just, like a total I, perv. Yeah. Ugh. None of that stuff really works. I don't works. care about any of that. And it feels like it's in a different movie, but that's okay. I'll tell you who I really appreciated this time, though. Yeah, finally. You haven't talked about her at all. I Well, I was saving it. For okay, let's hear it. I, I, I really like Martha Plimpton mm-hmm. as an actress, but my God, she's the best part of this movie. And yeah. she has like, she, you know, she's like 10th, if, if it was in order, it would probably be like 10th build because she yeah. doesn't have like all, the girls don't show up right away. They only show up kind of right when they go underground. And the gr- other girl has a kind of romantic uh, deal with Josh Brolin, although she somehow makes out with the little boy in the cave. I don't know how this could even happen, but it does. It's dark, Tyler. It's dark. But man, Martha Blimpton is just, she crushes this movie. She's just got uh, the attitude that it just, there needs to be this attitude in the movie. And there's, I mean, the boys have that too, and the statue and the penis talking, and, and chunk, uh, not chunk, uh, mouth. The things that he says, because he knows Spanish, mm-hmm. he's, like, telling all these horrible things to this person they've hired to help them pack up the house who only yeah. speaks Spanish. See, there's, like, weird shit like that. It's like, weird, but... Why I, are we doing this in this movie? But I, it's got that edge to it, which I like. But that a lot of that kind of goes away where all the kids are kind of in wonder mode, where here's Martha Plimpton, who's kind of just, like, a little bit irritated by the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> 
She is more than irritated. I just really like that um, performance. And I always... God, it's Martha Puntum. I always think... Like, obviously, I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Because Stranger Things, which is totally, like, an extension of this type of move. Like, of that of, yes, of the Goonies, that right? Mm-hmm. Um, they It's like Barb from season one. Yes. Like, she's a character that they, like, clearly... And then they stupidly got spoiler alert, like got rid of Barb on Stranger Things. But, Stupid. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, she I mean, not necessarily the same type of character, but just visually, it's just it's Martha Plimpton in yeah. in yeah. the Goonies, right? Yeah. Um, so I really liked uh, that aspect of it. Um, some of the pirate ship stuff seems to go on a little while, but that's okay. It does. I don't know. The water slide's great, right? The water slide is so epic when you're a kid, and even as an adult, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. We love, yeah, that I think is just like no matter what happens in the movie, and then you see the ship, that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. It just seems like, and this is weird, and so you know this if you watch the deleted scenes or you read about it. It, it there's an odd there's an odd thing that happens at the end when they're on the boat and they're trying to escape from them. It, it seems to take a like there's everybody's jumping in the water like the whole idea is to get them rescued and chunk and sloth show up to help them get off the boat and get rescued and it just seems like this weird amount of time where like in the water but the other guys are trying to get down but they're gonna try to chase them but not like there's a lot of time but then of course if you look at the deleted scenes or yeah. go online there's supposed to be this like octopus attack giant a octopus. giant octopus attack including data making a comment at the end of the movie about like oh the octopus was pretty crazy which got left in because i don't know why either because i thought too it was lazy to cut it out it kind of works because here you could believe a kid exaggerating the story a little bit so i actually kind of like that it's mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. but it actually was a scene and we watched a couple, so we watched the clip of the octopus, and then we also watched uh, Sean Astin do a Q&A or something about yes. it. And he's, I mean, it's pretty funny, his comments, because it's just like, you watch the scene and you're just like, because on the surface you're like, there's a giant octopus? That sounds awesome. Why isn't that in the movie? Yeah, that should totally be in the movie. And then you watch the scene and you're like, what's going on with this scene? Yeah, what is, <laughs> what is this? And then if you watch the Sean Astin thing, he confirms, he's like, it was kind of, I mean, the octopus was kind of stupid, right? Like, it looked kind of dumb. Like, he's like, I never actually have seen the footage, but... Tell me, it was stupid, right? Like, they filmed it, and they even at the time, it just wasn't working. Like, it didn't look good, and, like, Data uses, like, a radio to, like, divert it, and it looks like it's dancing or popping around. I don't know what the fuck was happening. It's a bad, um, I mean, listen, Spielberg learned this on Jaws. The mechanical shark breaks down, you have to kind of cut around it. Well, apparently the octopus doesn't work very well, and they just, well, get rid of the octopus. Yeah, smart. Smart, smart, smart. I thought it was smart. Yeah. Now, do you think that, another question I had was, um... Uh, the the ending. Ugh. Yeah. The ending's not my favorite. The kids, they don't get the ship. The ship, I they have like to leave. I don't like the ending. I don't even want to talk about the ending because I don't even want to think about the ending. You don't want to think about it? No. So, there's a, the rocks are coming down, they get out. They that escape. part's fine. That's, yep. that's good with that. But they, uh, they've, they're talking about treasure. And they see, that. so they we do reveal that they didn't get any treasure, but then uh, Mikey has found, like, some jewels in a... His marble bag. His marble bag. There's a scene before that where he empties his marble bag to fill it with jewels. I don't know how much jewels... I'm not a jeweler. I just need to go watch Uncut Gems again, I guess, to get a better understanding. I mean, that jewel of the Titanic was worth a lot of money. It was. Do you get a sense that that's enough jewels to... I mean, yeah, save their house. Sure, but is it going to save the whole community? Well, it's 1985. Okay. Um, so, you know, the housing market isn't what it is today. Right. So this was 35 years ago. Or is it a scenario where, like we did with One Crazy Summer, 
uh, just in the last episode where if one person doesn't sell their house, then the whole project's off because you can't, they've got prime real estate. They can't build yeah, around that. I feel like it's a combination of those things. But do you think that they have enough of the jewels? They have enough well, to help I'm everybody? Well, I'm thinking like a house on the coast in 1985 is probably only like $65,000. You did some research on this. 65000 No, I'm huh? just guessing. Okay. I mean, based on like what my parents bought their house okay. for in 1985, the coast wasn't like a hip hop and joint. You know. All right. Maybe. So then the other thing is, is that the ship just like, because the rocks break down, mm-hmm. the ship goes out to sea and everybody's like, oh, well, I guess the pirate guy is just taking off. See you later. I mean, it's, you know, I don't think they really think that, but it's a ghost leaving on. Get, get some boats. Go get that ship. It's filled with treasure. A lot of treasure. Don't just let it go. Yeah. I never Get out there that. and do it. It's a clear day. And then you have this awkward scene for like what feels like goes twenty minutes, yeah, with the parent parental reunion. Which none of these characters are. I mean, the mom is in the movie at the beginning. The dad is not. None of the other characters have yeah. been. Have, have I don't made care about any of you people. It seems odd. Uh, Sloth is just going to go live with Chunk. Okay. They love each other. They keep saying that they, you know, it's fa- familial love. I'm not trying to say that there's anything else beyond that, but it's just like, I love you. And it's less, all that stuff happened off screen. Like, I know that they get along, but it's very weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a weird ending. Apparently, some of the parents in that scene were the kids' actual parents. Okay. So they're just making sure everybody got a moment, right? Yeah. But, like, why? I don't know. Although I did like how Mouth, Corey Feldman, and what's her name? Almost, it almost seems like they're gonna kiss, right? But they definitely do not. They definitely do not. Yeah. Well, there's there's an age gap there a little bit, but you know, maybe not as much. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I still have mixed feelings about the movie. There's things I don't like about it, but I, I guess I, where I come down on it is like, especially with our kids watching, and I come down on, I understand why it's beloved and appreciated because it just there's not a lot of movies like it. We've talked about uh, an episode previously called on a movie called the monster squad a movie that i like more than this mm-hmm. but it is obviously like monster squad is is the goonies yeah. it, it, like it's a similar thing but it's with universal monsters and that's why maybe i just like it a little bit more but um there's not a lot of movies like this and and i think stranger things has tapped into that and that's why that's a huge hit and it's pretty good right mm-hmm. it's why i haven't seen the second it but that movie's about the adult characters but the first it movie the new one works really well because the dynamic between the kids works really well. And that's kind of like, they're in a, it's a, it's a different kind of movie. It's a horror movie, but it has that same vibe, Stand By Me. And there's not a lot of movies that are really tap into that. And it's odd that there, there are always these, these, like another one is like the Sandlot, which I, again, I appreciate the Sandlot. Maybe we'll do an episode on it, but there, I don't love it. You know, I think there's some things about it I don't like, but I understand why that movie, like there's just this certain type of movie, these kid group movies, Whatever reason, the ones that we watched, these are, I mean, because there's not that many of them, I guess. There are not. That toe that line of not just being like totally cartoony that are like, oh yeah, this is like cool. Like, the Mighty Ducks counts as that, but yeah. then like other things that try to copy too much of those other things don't feel like they're as good, right? You know, and so there's just this, there's not that many. There's, mm-hmm. there are copycats that don't work as well. And we we've, we've watched them and mm-hmm. we'll talk about them, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Goonies does enough well and it has enough of that magic that that's that's why it gets remembered because it's doing. I don't know if you could tap in if you could, filmmakers, I tell you, if you could tap into how to do this kind of thing more often, it'd be huge, and that's why Stranger Things is huge, and that's why that first chapter of it, especially, 
was a freaking monster box office thing because it, it tapped into that again for adults because it's an R-rated movie, mm-hmm. but they feel the vibe of it. And I think that's why people go back and watch it. The other question I had, there's always been, they, t- they did it on the, um, the, re- the reunion thing we saw. They always, it always gets brought up and they've tried to do this several times. Goonies too. What do you think, how would that work if they did it? Simple. Impossible. Impossible. Just like, don't fucking do it. Well, there's a no, question of... you just don't do it. I guess that... Well, and that's what Steven Spielberg said on this thing. He's like, well, I don't know. It's just every time we try to bring it up, it just doesn't seem like it's ever a good yeah, idea. Yeah, like they, they toy around with some ideas and it doesn't ever work out because it doesn't really... Because, okay, so you have some options. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's you basically two like, routes. You could have, like, the ki- the kids. There's the kids of the Goonies. And then the, the characters that we know are kind of in supporting roles, right? Yes, as the parents. Which is what the new Ghostbusters that's coming out is seemingly going to do because... Which- the the, character, the original cast is back, but it's not about those characters. It's about this new family, right? Okay. I hate that idea. <laughs> okay. No, I just do. It's like, you're making a, 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 a sequel. Mm-hmm. Okay, I fell in love with the movie. But you're rebooting these, it, For these characters. Not for these new fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. If these new fucking assholes want a movie, then they can make their own fucking movie. They made it. It's called Stranger Things. It's called Stranger Things. <laughs> and they did it great. They did, yeah. It's, it's different. Good. It's in its own little lane. It's a horror lane. thing. Yeah, but yeah. It's on its own lane. Yep. Um... So what about just like a remake of the characters as adults without an adventure a, for the children? Like, like not a remake, but they go on an adventure a together sequel. as adults, an adult. like a true sequel an where they have to do something. Sequel. I would be more interested in that because it would be, you could do it totally different. Yes. It could be a totally different kind of movie. It could be a, di- a bunch of different things. And Lord knows you have enough of like, so a couple of these guys aren't really, Data doesn't really act much anymore, I don't think. No. Um... Chunk doesn't really act very much. He looks doesn't great. Act at all. Looks He's great. An entertainment lawyer. Looks looks really good. Oh, they all look pretty good, really. Yeah. But you know, Sean Astin obviously had a uh, has had a good career. Josh Brolin is probably more popular than he's ever been and more in demand. He'd be the hard one to get, I guess. But uh, Martha Plimpton acts. The other gal, and we've done a she terrible job with yeah. naming these people. But well, she just doesn't act. She's out. She doesn't do anything. Would Jerry you go, Would you try to find a way to get Joey Pants in the movie though? Oh yes, fucking please. What would you Would you try to write your way into a situation where it would be the same character, or would you just make a new character for oh, Joey Pants? Oh, he's obviously Chief of Police from Bad Boys. <laughs> okay, done. Check <laughs> sequel. He wasn't murdered. He went to Astoria. He moved to Astoria. Boom. Uh, yep, Don't fucking idea. kill Joey Pants, Bad Boys. Stop killing off Joey Pants and things. <laughs> <laughs> This is the most traumatic scene I've seen in so long. My favorite. Joey Pants one of my now. things about Joey Pants that I love is that everybody seems to love Joey Pants and love to call him Joey Pants. And so yes. we just, I love it. Fucking <laughs> fantastic. I'm glad that there's this appreciation for him. So I already got, he's chief of, chief of police. He's the chief of police in his story of Washington. I think that maybe it's like a story of redemption where, it, 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 you know, his character is a bad guy, but you know, he redeems himself. But he's, he's, he's a supporting police. character. He yeah. wouldn't be the main. Uh, it would still need to be a story of brothers, right? Brolin and Aston. That'd have to yep. be the the two yep. that you'd focus on, right? Yep. I could. I don't know. That would be the way that I'd be more interested in seeing it. I don't want a movie where they're in it for five minutes or whatever. No. And fuck that movie to Lego. Like movies. I'm kind of worried. Like there are elements of like so that Ghostbusters movie got delayed. It's not coming out till next year now. If we ever open anything, and if the virus ever goes away, but um, even that trailer didn't reveal the original cast, but they are confirmed to be in it, and it's a sequel, but it's not focused on that, and I don't. I almost prefer, like, I I don't know. As someone who kind of liked the, the, the female Ghostbusters reboot, it was certainly not great, but, like, at least they were, 
doing their own thing, although I hated the cameos by yes. the original cast. Yes, agreed. At least it was, like, not trying to necessarily be the same flavor. And I think you run the risk when you bring people back in the same roles and how much you do it. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell with that because it's like on one hand, is this a Ghostbusters movie? Because it doesn't seem like a Ghostbusters movie. And we don't know what the Ghostbusters elements are going to be like because you're not showing us how you're using Ernie Hudson and Dan yeah. Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. But we know that they're going to be there. And it just seems odd because when you see that trailer, you're just like, well, how is Bill Murray going to fit into what this you're showing me? Like, it just doesn't seem like the same universe. Totally. It just doesn't. And so I, I would Goonies. worry about that with Goonies. So with Goonies, I think they'd be best off if they did a John Irving approach. So mm-hmm. John Irving, when he writes his books, he takes them from, like, birth to fucking death. Okay. Like, you get all the details of their life. So... You you have all the characters there, and you don't do some bullshit thing where they're like, oh, we have some reason to come back together. No, it needs to be like they all fucking lived in that town. And oh, it's it's dark. Like you know, they've, they've they've still grown together. They've okay. still been together because I don't like it when movies or books do a follow up or TV shows. Even like, well, it chapter two is. Just, I mean, it, those that was a whole book, but yeah. um, I mean that everybody separates. Yeah. And even, a lot of these, you're right though. Things separate. It's immediate conflict, right? Because yes. they haven't seen each They're other. They're like, oh, even in like one of my favorite shows, uh, Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. They'll flash forward like four years in the story, and they'll be like, oh, well, they all went their separate ways. Oh, I don't fucking, I don't fucking care about this. Now I gotta listen to her story and their story and what they. I don't give a shit. I want you to have all lived in the same town, like all like the losers you were in the movie, and then do a fantasy fulfillment, which is exactly what the Goonies is. So. Do an adult fantasy fulfillment, which is you're all together, you're all still friends, and you have to deal with something. I like, yeah, I like that. Um, you know what movie kind of does that a little bit is it's not a franchise, but the the world's end. Edgar Wright, the third of the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. is about now they they it is a little bit there's estrangement, right? Mm-hmm. They've gone their separate ways, but they know each other and they still see each other a little bit. At least Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's characters, and so a little bit of that is there. So, but but that's kind of what that movie is, and it's like it's not going well for Simon Pegg. And I think that the more interesting part of that whole movie is that he's the lead of the movie is like suicidal, and he's got some dark shit going on with him, and it's a comedy. I, I it's been a little while if I, but yeah, I because so I like that movie a lot. But you're right, like usually when we do these kind of things, people are re- and that's different because we hadn't seen those particular characters before. Right. But like. It is. It seems to be a storytelling crutch where it's yeah. just like here we got to find immediate conflict. Whereas yep. it might be more challenging to find a conflict between them all that's been simmering or been long existent or mm-hmm. you know happening for a while. Or it's just like their relationships were then, right? So you have like you have these one dimensional characters, which is what Goonies is. It's totally sure. every character has one dimension. So you just take that one dimension and you fast forward it. But guess what? They're still in that one dimension. You have a cool kid. You have the smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> you have the kid whose family is broken, fat kid. You do all the one you're dimensions. Right. I, I worry about this because like so now the next. Jurassic World movie is bringing so Jeff Goldblum was in two seconds of that last terrible movie but now they keep telling us that he's going to be in the next one for like the whole movie and so is Sam Neill and Laura Dern and I'm like that's great that's who I want to see and let's do this the right way let's get the people that we want to see back in the movie but then I'm like when you say that I'm just like but is, are they going to do the thing where, like, Sam Neill and – because they did that even in Jurassic Park 3 where Sam Neill and Laura Dern went their separate ways. Yes, exactly. And they didn't have a relationship anymore, or they kind of do, but they're not 
working together anymore. You know that, like, that movie is just going to be like, hey, Ian Malcolm and Dr. Grant don't they still don't see the same see things yep. the same way. So now we have to do this. Oh, we haven't seen each other in years, and it's yep. just like I hate. <sighs> I wanted, it causes, yeah. and I get it. It it makes sense for like succinct near like you. Okay, we need a conflict. They haven't been together, but they're still the same people. Great, knock them together again. But I mean, if you see that over and over again, it's just like, what's wrong yeah. with having that be a relationship? Yeah. I, what I want is we're gonna pick up on an adventure they've had. 87 other adventures. We're just yeah. picking up on this one. To me, that's more interesting because then I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck else have they been doing all these years? Yeah. Because now this is interesting. I'm picking up into a story where... I would be more interested, like, like for example, and I know that the Jurassic World sequels, it's still going to be a Chris Pratt movie, but I'd be way more... Inter- like, Jurassic Park 3, it's annoying that they're not together anymore because, like, wouldn't it be more interesting if they had, like, this long relationship where, number one, they were together and were colleagues and they were romantic in the movie, not in the book. And then they have they go to the... They see real dinosaurs. It's fucking a nightmare. And then they gotta go back to, like, regular dinosaur digging. Yes. And then their relationship is completely changed and but there's still dinosaurs out in the world. Like, that relationship over years is more interesting to me than being like, well, we separated we haven't seen each other in yeah, 20 years which isn't realistic that's not how people who go through big events treat each other and this is another reason why i like in hamilton how it's a movie about or it's a story about two characters that just keep bumping into yes. each other and it's yes. like they keep running into each other in ways that don't make sense and historically there's been some changes right sure. but the way that it works and the whole arc works because it's like well i'm seeing what you're doing and it's mostly from Burr's perspective, right? But, like, I can't... Like, I'm doing this, but I keep seeing this, and I can't let go of what you're doing. Yes. And it's like this whole stewing of years and years and years and years. That's more interesting. It creates a more mm-hmm. complicated character. I know. I don't know what we're talking about Goonies anymore, but that would be the way that I would do so Goonies see, as well. didn't I say something smart on this episode? Now, do, will they ever do it? I don't know. They keep It keeps coming back and forth, but... Well, honestly, I would take a, an animated version of that. <laughs> an animated version that's yes. what they're gonna have to do what ha- okay here's a question for you uh, and this is a horrible thing to say but what if we never get a vaccine for this virus and it gets we can never nothing is ever gonna go back to the like normal right we can't film things normally we do you just like at what point if i'm not saying that's gonna happen i'm hopeful that doesn't happen but at what point are the studios in hollywood are gonna be like hey, fuck it we're just going to make animated versions of all these movies. Everybody can do their animation at home. We'll do the vocal work at home and we'll just make animated movies. I mean... Well, how I, long is it going to take before they just decide to start doing that? I think the show we love that has has really done that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. So we watch with our children. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Holy moly. What a great program. Holy moly. The mini golf competition series where they very clearly like filmed most of their season before everything hit the fan, but mm-hmm. very obviously did not get Steph Curry mm-hmm. to do his little bits where he's like the pro, the golf pro. Yeah. So what their solution was, was they just animated him and he did some vocal work and there are some delightful little 60 second clips See? of animated Steph Curry in the middle of Holy Moly. There and honestly, I think it's delightful. They should never go back to the yeah. old way. Fixed. Done. <laughs> Solved that problem. Yeah, I love it. Let's just keep keep it going, guys. I don't want to see any more delays. Like, I think it's serious. I don't think we should be... We need to take it seriously, not open and go crazy. But, like, let's get some of this shit back. Just animate it. Get some cheap... Like, the South Park guys, they animate... 
There's shit. So it's all in the computer. Yes. I don't need it to be like Pixar level quality. Just give me, just get me going. Let's get me some stories. Or going. more Zoom Parks and Rec episodes. Whatever. We all can do of it. it. I'll take it all. Yeah, we can do it all. Wow, we got off tangent. Did we though? I feel like we're right on topic. The Goonies. That's all I had to talk about it. I, that pretty much hit all my notes. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I don't love it, but I, I acknowledge its classic status. So there you go. Um, one thing I did want to share. Okay. I know it sounded like we were almost over. Yep. Did. So you I can, was getting ready to finish can, my drink. You can be done if you want to, mm-hmm. but we didn't talk about how, um, in that special we watched how the director basically made several comments and Steven Richard Spielberg, Donner. yeah, Richard Donner shares the story about how basically Goonies was a fucking nightmare for Richard Donner because it's all these young kids all fucking talking all at the same time. That's how I felt. And he's having to like rein them in and get them to focus and do their lines. And I can't imagine anything more fucking exhausting than directing all these kids on this scene. Yeah. And so Spielberg kind of tells that, like that story of that. And then he's like, it's cause, uh, he was asked like, what's your favorite memory? And he's like, it's not really a, a memory of during the shoot, but after the shoot. So he knew that Richard Donner was like getting tired of it. Was fucking exhausted, right? Was happy to be done when it was all a wrap. Loved the kids, obviously fell in love with them. But at the end, he's like, I'm going to fucking Hawaii for some peace and quiet. So Spielberg (laughs) sends all these young kids in a fucking airplane to his place in Hawaii before he gets there. And they get in his house and they like hide in his house. And so he comes in and they all fucking surprise him. Oh my God. It's such a good story. It's pretty great. And, uh, just, yeah, I feel that's, I, that, it's my mixed feelings. I do like it, but God, the fucking kids just are rambling on like just crazy. On and on like, and just on. give it a rest a little bit. Like, shut the fuck up. I don't a even, I don't, I don't even really know about the pirate. I get it. You guys are going to look for treasure. Like, I don't need the exp, it's fine. I don't need the explanation where you yeah. guys talk over each other. I mean, this movie would have benefited from a chopping down to an hour and a half. Man, can you imagine the continuity errors in that cut? <laughs> Actually, I don't think there would be that many. Yeah, you just get rid of some of the... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, because you have, like, the, the scene... I could name all the scenes that could be cut. Better. Okay. <laughs> Although, I was going to say the Josh Bolin on the on the kid bicycle scene. It's it is so a, weird. It's such, a, it's such a weird scene, but then it's also, like, one of the scenes you remember. It's setting up that class warfare. Yeah. I, that's with the character I don't care for. And it, it's a weird thing because I don't even really realize that the girl is in, is with them. Mm-hmm. Until I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess she's there. I don't know. It just seems like a weird uh, introduction to, to that whole thing, but... There's a good Cindy Lauper song in the movie. There is a good Cindy Lauper song. You didn't even realize. No. <laughs> so I I didn't realize it until this time watching it. Hold on. Let's listen to a little bit of the Cindy no, Lauper no, no. song. Oh, we're going to play it. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> this is weird. This is a good, a great example of how memory works. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I for- completely forgot that there's this song in the movie until it plays. There's a beginning, it plays in the middle of the movie early on very quickly and then it's on the credits. Um, and then I remember the song really well, but I didn't remember it. There's an episode of Bob's Burgers, a show that we really like, where there's a Cindy Lauper song called uh, uh, Taffy Butt. Taffy Butt, right? And I love, I love that. But see, my mem- this is how my memory works. I love Bob's Burgers. Seen them all. Seen every episode. Seen many of them twice. 
it's all scrambled though, right? Oh, for sure. Because I'm older and I have kids now. But <laughs> so then I got uh the soundtrack album, which is amazing. If you like Bob's Burgers, like getting this album where there's literally a hundred, like they're all like thirty seconds long, but it's like a hundred songs of all the songs I've ever done. God, it's so so fucking good. So then I listen to that more than I watch episodes, yeah. and I'm just like, God, fucking Taffy Butt is like, like it's a, it's my jam. I love it. It's a Cindy Lauper song. I like Cindy Lauper. <laughs> it's fucking great, right? So then. I watched, I randomly come across like a rerun of the episode in this Taffy Butt. I'm like, oh, this is like the ending. This is all, it's the Goonies. Like, and then I was like, that's cool. Like, like it's a Goonie episode. But still then it did not connect that the Cindy Lauper song is in the movie. So then we watched the movie. I'm like, oh, that Taffy Butt thing is like that. Okay. That's great. And then she made this whole new song and it's great. This connection. And then <laughs> it didn't occur to me that it is the same tune yep. until today when I was putting them together. It's like, oh, it's the same song. She just changed the words to it. Mind blown. <laughs> my memory is so scrambled that all of these things were in my brain, but I they know. were all separated. And it took today to get it all yeah. back together. That, my friends, is why this podcast is called Old Millennials Remember Movies? Yeah. It's like a question. We should put a question mark at yeah. the end of it. Yeah. So, friends, that has been our Goonies episode. Thank you for listening. We are going to let that Taffy Butt song take you out. So, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. Aye, 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 aye. on the